Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn and how we teach and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 85, all about student athletes. This is a topic that's really close to my heart. I wrote my dissertation looking at the obstacles that student athletes face and how to help them succeed in the classroom. And I recently turned that into a book. Uh, so I'd like to give a shout out to my publisher, Palgrave McMillan. And I wrote these because I really wanna understand the academic challenges, the hurdles that these student athletes face and kind of the messages they're getting to help them in the classroom see what we can do as teachers to help them pass and to succeed. So Denor and I also presented um, early work from his dissertation data collection when we went to a conference, what was it, four years ago now, I think, 2016, 2017, something like that. And one of the things that we presented there was the research that had been done in the 80s and the 90s. And this research suggested that student athletes struggled in classes for three main reasons. One, they didn't care about academics. Two, they came in underprepared for the rigors of college work. And or three, their coaches were emphasizing success in the sport over success in the classroom. And that research also suggests that professors and non-athletics classmates were really skeptical of student athletes' academic abilities and their sincerity in the classroom. Now, something that we all need to keep in mind is that most college student athletes they have been playing competitive sports for years. Some of them in football, some of them in basketball, some of them in baseball. They have played on special travel teams. They've attended development since junior high, if not before. We're talking age nine or 10. This is not something they just picked up with college. And this means that by the time they are in college, some of them have been competing on the field or the court for half their lives. Some of them get to college and they get overwhelmed in the same way that non-student athletes get overwhelmed by the sudden changes, these different schedules for classes, more intense practice, more competition, and a different way of learning than they had to use in high school. Now, some of them are able to acclimate more quickly because they're taking summer courses. So they get used to college level work, but they're doing it in a smaller classroom with a smaller group of people. These are a lot of changes for an 18 year old to deal with. So some of them really struggle in the classroom. And I know our teacher listeners, you've seen these students, you've had these students. And one hidden challenge that Denor found in his work when he looked at student athletes, one hidden challenge is a result of their early registration. So they get early registration. And when student athletes register for classes, it's often before faculty have been assigned to teach those specific sessions. So they see professor staff. They're entering the class blind in terms of what should I expect from this professor? They can't check rate my professor. They can't ask their teammates or their friends for advice on how do I do well in this class when they don't know who's teaching the class. It is different to say, how do I do well in a sociology class? And how do I do well in Dr. Denor Bloom's class? Because the answers to those questions aren't exactly the same for a student athlete. One of the big changes that we're seeing today is that a lot of student athletes are told how important it is to do well in school. They're told this from their families, their coaches, 
some of them work with special advisors or tutors, different academic personnel. And all of them, unlike what we saw in the 80s and 90s, all of these people are telling student athletes, you need to do well in your classes. That means there's less a sense of school or sports. There's much more of a sense of school and sports than we used to see decades ago. And the reason coaches and advisors and families preach doing well in the classes is because as an athlete, you're always one play from not playing competitively again. That could be you retire by choice, you get injured and you can't rehab the injury, your eligibility ran out, or you couldn't make, and after your eligibility, you can make a roster, whether that meant uh, as a drafted or undrafted rookie. You just weren't able to make the roster. And so what are you going to do? The fact that coaches and families, people that these student athletes care about are telling them, hey, you need to do well in classes because what are you going to do after you're done playing? It's resonating with a lot of them. And we are seeing that student athletes are graduating at higher rates than they used to but they're still struggling. They're graduating with lower grade point averages than a lot of their non-competitive peers. And you might want to think for any student athletes listening to this, professional athletes are not necessarily a career. They are a potentially really, really well-paying temporary job because most athletes hang up the cleats, they hang up the sneakers, they retire from playing competitively by the time they're in their 40s. You're not done living once you hit your 40s, we hope. Oh, hopefully you've, that means you've got hopefully decades of life there to be lived. What are you going to do? Well, having a degree can really help whether your post-playing career is in sports, you want to go into the business side of it as an agent or in terms of management, or you can use the degree for a career outside of sports. Now, when we talk about how students can use what we're talking about here, we're mainly talking again to our student athlete listeners. And so some of the things you might want some help with to think about. First, please communicate with your professors. You know, generally athletics departments, they give student athletes a letter to give to professors early in the term saying, I may miss some classes because of travel and games. Don't assume your professor will remember all the dates on the letter. Talk to us a week or two ahead of the classes you're going to miss to coordinate, especially if there's an assignment due that day or a test on that day. Don't count on us to get the letter and then make a note that, you know, David Jones is going to be missing class on this date, this date, this date, this date. No, it's your job to keep track of that and send us an email saying, hey, professor, I have a, a, a match a week from Tuesday. I know that there's something due the day before. Is there any way that I can maybe turn that in a little early or maybe get an extension because I'm going to be traveling into another time zone? And usually we'll be flexible about that. The second thing is talk with at least two of your peers and ideally hear non-athlete peers in class on the days that you missed to find out, you know, what did we go over on the Tuesday that I was, you know, in Wichita for this meet. They can fill you in on what was said and done in class and in section that may not readily be apparent on the teacher's slides. And the third thing is when you are in class, participate. Ask active questions, do active answers, sit closer to the front, be in the professor's line of sight, and also sitting close to the front allows you to 
you know, ignore the distractions of the other students. And all of that will help the professor remember who you are in general. They'll know you because they've seen you and they've asked you questions. You've answered questions. Piggybacking off that, student athletes are recognizable, especially at high profile, what we call Division One or 1A schools, because student athletes tend to wear a lot of school gear and they wear it proudly. Well, if you're seen sitting up at the front of the class or near the front, and you're seen as someone who's actively participating, that is one big step that student athletes can take to fight the stigma of the bored or uninterested student athlete who just can't hack it in class. And by keeping up with your coursework and by actively and thoughtfully participating in your classes, you improve your image. You look good to the professor, you serve as an example for your peers. Hopefully you're able to learn more than if you're just sleeping in the back of the room. But speaking of sleep, time and energy management are really, really important. And we know it's tough to lift weights and go to practice and have a full day of classes, maybe another practice or a video session getting ready for an upcoming game. Oh, and then you've got to go home and do your homework. That's assuming that you're not working part-time and you don't have to worry about caring for other relatives at home. You not only have to manage your time, you have to manage your energy. Using your planner and your calendar early and often in the semester, make sure you write in the days you have to travel so that you can visually see, here's what's going on for me week by week. It lets you see what's coming up. I know that there are some schools where student athletes have to map up their semester on a big sheet of paper with their advisor at the beginning of the term. They write down all of the project due dates, all of the test due dates, and all of the meets or all of the games. And the idea behind that is make your time visible, make it noticeable, and be aware of what your responsibilities are. If you are able to work ahead of time, for example, I have all of my students write for reflection papers throughout the semester, but I also allow them to submit it ahead of the due dates. If you're a student athlete, it might be worth your time to work early on assignments like that so that you don't fall behind. You don't have to worry about an assignment due in November if you finished it by mid-October. And if you can, Take one or two easier classes when your sport is in season. Now, easier can mean it's more interesting to you because it's a lot easier to go to class when you care about what's being taught. Easier can be a lighter workload or it can be material that plays to your strengths. And maybe you're really, really good at writing. So take classes that are gonna be based more on papers than on tests. Save your tougher classes, however you define tougher, for the terms or meaning the semesters that you're out of season. When you're in season, taking the easier classes lets you focus more on your sport. When you're not actively competing, when that hurdle is taken off for a few months, you can put more of your focus on your academics. Another thing is try to take advantage of the resources that you have on campus, so tutoring writing or math or computer labs, the various academic personnel who work with you and who are designated to work with you. For example, Division I schools, they tend to have more extensive services than smaller schools because their athletics project allows for more personnel to be working in this capacity.
and use your study hall hours wisely. If there's variation in how these study halls are run, some are supervised in-person halls, some are supervised by logging in and out, some of them are individual work times, some of them you're working in small groups. So if you have to be in study hall, make use of that dedicated time to work on your coursework because you got to be there anyway. So why not use the time to help your grade? Now, teachers, here's some stuff you need to understand about your student athletes. First, they are effectively working two or more jobs at the same time. They are a full-time student, they are a full-time athlete, and potentially they have to work outside of school with caregiving duties as well. You got to show them patience and compassion, and this means you've got to be flexible with your due dates. But make that flexibility conditional. Don't just put it out, you know, anybody who's a student athlete gets flexible due dates. The athlete has to communicate with you to get that flexibility. You got to show that you're willing to work with your student athletes instead of working against them. Don't resent them just because they're playing a sport. I did that for years and I'm ashamed of it. All right. I hated it because obviously he couldn't care as much about my class as he does about a sport. Well, no, he doesn't. That's the way it is. So it was my job to work with him instead of recognizing the effort that he was making or that she was making to both be in my class and be in their sport. I was like, get rid of the sports. That's not part of college. I am changing my opinion over time. That's Janor's fault. Um, but I do regret the times that I didn't reach out to student athletes when I could have. So understand, they're already working two full-time jobs, maybe more. That should explain when they occasionally fall asleep in class. Speaking of, don't assume the sleeping student athlete or student athletes in your class is bored with you or is bored with your class. And yeah, I'm pretty sure I can hear some of my student athletes laughing and probably snoring at that comment. Mm -hmm. But these student athletes might be exhausted, in which case the better option is to nap at home than in class. And I'd rather lay down on a couch than put my head on the desk. But some student athletes may be required to show up in lecture and they're supervised to do so. And the supervision isn't, are you participating? It's, are you physically there? The role of the board student athletes might be a mask as much as anything to try and cover that fatigue. It's hard to show weakness when you're a student athlete. They might not be comfortable with the material and they don't want to admit it. Well, by pretending to be bored or being asleep, that gives them a mask to cover themselves a little bit. Remember, student athletes are competitive and part of that competitiveness is based on the image that they portray to others. They don't want to portray themselves as confused or as weak, but being bored and aloof or uncaring, that's a trope that's accessible to both athletes and to teachers. But keep in mind, this may be more a mask to cover up weaknesses than an actual state of being. And let's also emphasize, maybe they're not weaknesses. Maybe they're just perceived weaknesses. And I'm speaking to the teachers and the student athletes out there both. Just because it feels like weakness or looks like weakness doesn't mean it is weakness. If it's a lack of knowledge, that can be corrected over time. If it's a lack of skill, you're an athlete. You know what it's like to build up your skills on the court or on the field. You do the same thing in class, I promise you. I don't expect student athletes or any students to come into class already knowing how to do everything they need to do in my class. And you shouldn't kick yourself if you run into an equation you've never seen before. That's why you're in class. That's why you're being taught this equation. 
because this is the class where you learn that thing. And if it's confusing, you've never seen it before. Of course it's confusing. It's okay to put your hand up and say, I don't understand why there's a sigma in this equation. I don't get it. I need some help. Nobody's going to look down on you for that. And I know that for student athletes, that may seem more fraught and more scary than even for students who are straight A students, because admitting weakness is one of those things that you just don't do on the court. You just don't do that on the field. But in class, you need to learn how to do that. And teachers, we need to learn how to be okay with that. We need to learn how to say, all right, I don't expect you to already know it. Let's go over why it's confusing and see if we can unpack this for you. We need to take a more proactive view. So that's what we have for you in episode 85. If you're finding our podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're hosted on Blueberry.com. And we would really appreciate it if you could write a review of this podcast for us on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to join us next week for episode 86, when we'll discuss writing as gridiron or American football, a way to help you organize your writing. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learning made easier. We look forward to seeing you next week.